Welcome in to episode 16, Vandy Week. We got a full squad today. Uh, we got DR back from the injured reserve, uh, the colonoscopy, a.k.a. which the pain in the ass kind of goes with you. Um, Bandit's back. Buddy, what's up? Bandit. What's up? Glad to be We're back. All drinking. We might get some, get, might get naked on the podcast. I don't know. We're all drinking and uh, ready for Thanksgiving, ready for uh, turkey tomorrow. We got a lot of stuff going on. We got uh, fan questions and basketball and football. And, uh, of course, like I said, it's Fanny Week. Um, Paul, you want to kick off this? Uh, we got um, – do do a – we can go around two horns on this. Let's go – let's go um, – Let's go South Alabama review, and if you want to sprinkle sprinkle in a little uh, Vandy preview in that, uh, go ahead. So I think South Alabama, we did exactly what um, people wanted us to do. We scored 60 points and didn't allow them to score 20. I would have liked to see a shutout, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I'm not greedy. We were 3-7 and seven last year, so I can't be too greedy. But we're bowl eligible. That's all I really have to say. Hennon Hooker played a hell of a game for the little bit he was in there. He was, played very efficient. Our offense looked really good. It was nice to see Bayless Jones actually get a kick return that went further than 20 yards. Uh, so that was nice. Uh, other than that, I really don't have much to say. It was a simple ass whooping. Sorry if I have a little bit of commotion in the background. I am now in Florida with my dad's side of the family. So it's kind of crazy down here. Um, in terms of like South Alabama review, we had another game with over 60 points, uh, seven, seven different touchdown scores. I thought that was absolutely awesome. Um, even though it's South Alabama, we had we held them to one out of 16 for third down, which is usually my biggest complaint. Um, I did not like that we allowed them to get 14 points on the board. Sorry that all of this commotion is going on. I'm sure y'all can hear it, and it's really annoying. Um, and obviously, Bayless Jones had, like, an awesome game. He absolutely kicked ass. And Tillman and Fant uh, did really well overall. But the biggest cherry on top is that we got to a bowl game. And we were supposed to win like three games this year. So honestly, I just don't, I do not want to hear any complaints at all. That's like the number one cherry on top for me. We got to a bowl game. <clears throat> I'm happy with it as well. I mean, I'm not going to repeat everything y'all just said, but saw everything you needed to see. Milton got in at the end of the game and he, wasn't unbearable to watch because he's up there for me with a few other players in Tennessee sports I, who I don't like to watch play athletics. Uh, but he did good and, and looks it's looking closer and closer like you're probably going to be needing him next year because it's not looking like Hooker will be back. That's all I got. Uh, never thought bowl eligibility would feel so good um, after the last couple years. Um, you know, the whole, the whole Jeremy Pruitt bowl thing, I was like, you know, after losing to Georgia state and, um, uh, BYU man, getting to that bowl game that year felt great. Getting it back after the years we've had between now and then feels even better. Finally got to see a Bayless Jones kickoff return for a touchdown. 
So that was good. Um, looking back, we're um, we're 53 points away from the all-time scoring record um, for a Tennessee football season. So you look at us scoring 60 points the other night. If if we would have scored 50 or 52, you know, people would have still been happy. But that 60 points is even bigger because it put us that much closer to to breaking the record this weekend. Um, so something to think about there. Y'all are just uh, full of words tonight. Uh, yeah, not much you can really say. South Alabama, I remember days in the past, and it seems like even like Fulmer did this. Like it was just like we just didn't blow people out. And um, like I, it's nice. It's so nice to put 50 and 60 points instead of 31 to 7 and, and um, you know, 42. Even 42 isn't, isn't really a lot when you're playing some of these scrub teams. Um, I'm glad we we went in and did what we have to do. As far as my as far as as far as I know, we didn't come away injuries, and I, th- I think we played some young guys, and that's what I pre- mentioned on the previous pod. Um, I'm I'm glad we did what we had to do. Milton, I wish Milton got a little bit more playing time, but I, I understand why they probably wanted Hooker to get more snaps deep into the third quarter. Um, some of the guys that were injured already, we're probably saving them for the last two games. Bowl season is big for these guys. Like, like we trolled, like we trolled uh, Barrett Salee. Um, I, I don't, I'm not going to give him too much shit because, like, who had this happening? Like, honestly, I mean, I had him six and six, but that's just because it was a favorable schedule. Um, but I'm not going to troll him. He he kind of took up for us during the whole. He's the one blue check mark I like. Uh, he took up for us during the whole Shiano thing, <clears throat> but um. This is exactly what I want to see against all – like no upset closed and no – Koppel had his team ready. It was cold. Shout out to the fans that went. I didn't go. Boo on me, whatever. But I, this is the type of game you wish was at noon and you could just go home and then watch the rest of the games. But, um, yeah, that's all I got for, for South Alabama. Let's uh, go back around the horn and uh, let's get started with uh, Vanderbilt. So, another thing I wanted to add – for everybody complaining that we're only seven and five, if you think about it in the past, Dooley had his first year. I think he went six and six. Didn't he play North Carolina in that bowl game his first year? I can't remember. Okay, so he he did play North Carolina his first year. But other than that, Butch needed his first year to figure out his slumps. He went five and seven. Pruitt goes five and seven in his first year. Heupel's skipping that first year slump that we've seen with other coaches, and he's going to get to seven and five after this Saturday, knock on wood. I mean, if we lose to Vanderbilt, that just kills all momentum. But I don't think it's even going to be a close game after one – after the opening kickoff, it shouldn't be a close game. But I don't think – there's really – Vanderbilt honestly scares me less than South Alabama did because at least South Alabama was playing for something. They're like five and six now. They were five and five when we played. And Vanderbilt's had a, just coming off a dogfight with UConn a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, I'm not really scared to play them. And, I mean – if you look at their fan base, you know, they're going to be excited. All 10 of them are going to be probably coming to Neyland Stadium this Saturday. So, you know, that's going to be nice to look forward to. But what I really want to see is a packed crowd because this team could have jumped ship. All these seniors could have jumped ship. They had the opportunity. Alante Taylor could have went and played anywhere else in the SEC, but he stayed here for the same reason that we all love Tennessee football. And that's because there's a culture here. There's a family aspect. We love what we do here. 
So when you're looking at that from a standpoint of Alante Taylor is going to be playing his last game in Neyland and all these seniors are going to be playing their last games in Neyland Stadium, get your ass out of bed, buy a damn ticket because they're like 20 bucks. I bought mine for like $200, but I'm on row six, so I'm bougie. But uh, get your ass out of bed and go to the game. I think the Vols win cruise easily. Yes. So I am just kind of out of my element in my, like, where I'm at right now. So I'm just trying to get used to it. Um, in terms of Vandy, well, okay. In terms of last weekend, I I will admit that I did not attend the game. That was only because Bandit and me and his wife got a little bit too turned up at um, – bucket heads and it was too cold so I did I was planning on going and then I'm tired of being crucified for selling my Vandy tickets this weekend that's another thing I sold them to Vol fans they look like they're gonna have a great time it's actually their first game ever going but people were they were trying to tell me that um I was so bad for not going I'm like dude it's Thanksgiving weekend and I'm at the beach seeing my family. So I need everyone to get over that in terms of actual football. If it was any other team, I would be concerned about any other team in the past, like five or six years, I'd be a little worried about Tennessee not coming ready to play. Um, but I think we're ready to play. I think we're going to come out. We're going to win. We're going to end seven and five. And when I started this podcast, it was not Vols ATV podcast. It was just a random. Well, I didn't start it. But when I like first got on the podcast, uh, Bandit asked me to do it. And I think Leland was on the same one as well. We all gave like our predictions. And mine was seven and five overall, even though I floated like a psychopath between like nine or 10 wins because I was like way hyped up. And then I was like, Wow, we may do awful, but I I landed at seven and five, so I could not be more excited about this team. Um, I think they're doing a great job in terms of what I want to see. I would not want us to give up any touchdowns. Like, yes, we blew South Alabama out of the water, but it's Vanderbilt, and South Alabama scored two touchdowns on us. I don't like that, so I just don't want Vanderbilt to score any touchdowns on us. Whether they score field goals or whatever, sometimes it happens, but no touchdowns against Vanderbilt, period. Low, mm-hmm. low, low, what's your score? Score final, uh, 56 to 6. Did you want me to give my score, Leland? Okay. Uh, I'm going to give, I'm going to go 67 to 3. I think we whoop their ass because seniors, seniors are going to play their asses off. It's their last game in England. Dog stomping for the doors. At the beginning of the year, I was pretty down on them. But one of my wins, I thought we'd get Vandy, and that's obviously not changed. I think it's going to be a blowout. And, you know, we saw that graphic back in March or April about how the last 10 years between us and Vanderbilt were 5-5, five and five, and that's ridiculous. So we win this. We'll be in a three-game win streak against these morons. And it'd just be good to get a win. And I, I kind of hope the last time we lost to him, I was in Vanderbilt's um, practice field, whatever they play on, sit behind this moron. So I will be looking for this guy. He's a Vandy fan to pick a fight with them. Because 
what was it 2018? Yeah, we got blown out like 38 13, I believe is what it was. And I, I hope we just murder them. Uh, 31 point spread, we better cover it. I will not be happy if we don't because it's time. Leland said it all year it's time to put these teams back into place, like the Missouri, South Carolina. We did that. Now let's do it with the trifecta of Vanderbilt. I want to score 70, <laughs> but I'm going to go with 63 to probably 12. Um, the one thing I want to see this weekend, like I said earlier, uh, 53 plus points, want to get that record broken. Um, uh, this might sound odd. Something I'd like to see is Joe Milton. Um, like Leland said about South Alabama game, he, he wished Joe Milton would have had more play time. I'd like to see us actually do that this weekend. You really have no excuse if we're up big, you can't. You can't use the excuse that, well, you don't want to throw hookers rhythm off because we're going to have four, you know, at least four weeks before the bowl game. So you don't have that excuse of, of getting hooker out of his rhythm. So I'd really like to see a lot of Joe Milton. Um, you know, we need to, we, you need to see where he's at. Um, I think back a lot to um, when we played in Nebraska in the music city bowl. Um, it seemed like, Bush Jones was almost padding Josh Dobbs' stats in that game. If you saw Jared Garantano that game, you know, maybe maybe you see some red flags earlier on him. Wouldn't have mattered. Um, Jeremy Pruitt still would have played him every fucking game. Um, I got a score prediction of 58-17. Want to see 53-plus and some Joe Milton. 58-17. Oh God, y'all are y'all are out there with your scoring predictions. Um, so Vandy of late has um, they've been a thorn in our side. I know we beat them last year, but I remember growing up and always not being a kid, and we just were out around this time of year shopping with mom and all that, and you just didn't have to watch this game because you knew that it was going to be an ass beating during the former year. Remember Woody Woodenhofer? That was one of the coaches back in the um, Woody Woodenhofer. It sounds like a Disney character. Um, that was a co- long-time coach for them. Um, this I, I can't stand losing to these nerds. It's one of the most loser fan bases in all of sports. Like, like when 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 it's like <laughs> when they have when they're when their chess club is important or their debate team is up there. Like you know that they're not a football school, you know, and no one's, no one wants to go to their damn games. You have to bribe them to go to the games. Remember that year there was that picture when we were actually, I think it was one of Butch's better years. There was that picture of the stadium and it was like the orange outnumbered gold and black four to one. Like it was just a sea of orange. Um, we should have never lost to them. I think we lost to them, what, recently three in a row. That's just like, that's, that's against our religion, man. That's just – you can't let that shit happen. Like, I can understand once or once, you know, maybe twice if something happened. Uh, as of late, looks like – I'm looking at their some of their scores here lately. They've actually been – I think they made a QB change, and I'm sitting here looking at their scores, and they've played better. Uh, they put 28 up on Missouri. Now, Mississippi State's probably one of the hottest teams in the in the country. They beat them 45-6. to six. Uh, they lost by one point against South Carolina. Um, but look, Ole Miss. Ole Miss is supposed to have this high-flying, fun Heisman 
candidate slash lane and all that. They lost thirty one to seventeen. And that game was pretty close if I if if I remember correctly last week. Um I th- the the spread on some sports books is uh between thirty one and thirty two. I actually think Vandy will cover, sad to say. Uh, but I'm gonna go forty two to seventeen. But let's 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 just blow them out any way possible over 21. Like, I don't, I don't care about all this. Y'all want to beat them by 40. I mean, that's great and all. It'd be great, but and laugh at them when they leave the stadium. But, um, but I'm cool with just a, just a 25, 28 point win. And uh, Paul, you got something here? Yeah. I just want to say this. I've had a lot of Vanderbilt fans in my mentions talking about, we beat, we beat y'all in 2017 and we beat y'all in 2018. That's fine. But you are the third win of a team that went three and seven in 2020 and made half of the world transfer on our football team. You guys are disgusting. You shouldn't even be in the SEC. You and whoever the hell in the West sucks. Really, the West is weird. They have consistent people kind of rising and falling. But Vanderbilt, you're known for being trash in the SEC. Like, people look at you and realize that they have another cupcake game, but they're going to get a conference win out of it. Like, even when Tennessee was in their dual years, we were going five and seven, but one and seven in conference, or two and six in conference because we had Kentucky and Vanderbilt. So I just want to say this shut the fuck up if you're a Vanderbilt fan because we're going to whoop your ass Saturday and I can't wait to do it. Do, do you remember when um, they put Derek Mason's vest in, in behind glass? I mean, yeah. that, would, that would be like putting like Dooley's orange pants uh, on, on, on display because they beat UAB. Like, like, that's just loser mentality, I think. You, you beat a guy who was coaching at Arkansas State, and y'all have made a damn trophy case for an article of clothing that your coach, who's no longer there in the trophy case, and you still have it to this day. You're an ex- you're a shitty excuse for an SEC football program. Get the fuck out of my conference. I'm sick of your shit. Fuck Vandy balls by 90. I, I would um, – I, I do think they're going to throw a punch or two. Uh, I'll admit it. Um you know, Tennessee's kind of feeling good about themselves. It, it would be typical Tennessee to kind of shit the bed in the first quarter or second. They got this guy who can run around now, uh, can maybe make some plays. Uh, from a sta- from a fan standpoint, I know I'm a Tennessee fan, and this is probably not right to say, but sometimes I like a little drama. Like, I like – if I'm going to go out there and I'm tipsy, let's let's make it interesting. Let's make it competitive in the first quarter. And then let's just – then the second, third, fourth, let's just blow their ass out. Um so what I'd like to see is us like kicking their ass like for a little bit, and like it's like twenty-one seven maybe at the end of the first quarter, and then like we kick their ass for the rest of the game, and it's like yeah, sixty-three-seven final score. But I don't. I'm with you. I like to see a little drama at least in the beginning, because at the end of the day, programs are defined by how they handle adversity, and if we don't ever experience adversity with the shitty teams that we know we can beat the fuck out of. We're never going to experience adversity. Like we're never going to be able to deal with it when we play the Georgias and the Alabamas of the SEC. I can I can already tell Paul's hammered. Uh, before we go to fan questions, um, anybody got anything else about Vandy uh, Bandit? Uh, I could, I just want to say uh, R.I.P. to the dude Woody Woodenhofer. I uh, looked him up. He passed away about a year ago. Oh damn! Um, Four time Super Bowl champion with the Steelers. Do do me a favor right there while you're sitting there. What's his rec- What was his record at Vandy? It had to have been. So that's where I was getting um, four-time Super Bowl champion with the Steelers, and then he managed to go 27-71 and in college. How many years was that? Uh, Yes, multiple years. So so what's funny, like he had horrible winning percentage there, but they let him stay 
But then, like, I mean, I'm not the biggest Derek Mason fan in the world, but they let him go after what five or six? Like, I don't understand that. It like, was uh, it was '97 to 2001. Okay, so that's a long time. Uh, anybody else before we get to fan questions on Vandy, Tennessee in general? All right, Lo, this is your shindig. All right, we are back with my favorite part, one of my favorite parts of the show, which is fan questions. Um, I think we're going to run through all of them that were submitted this week. Um, and we have a little debate as well. Like one of the fan questions, uh, Mercy Whalen actually like sparked up a little debate between our podcasts. So we are going to debate afterwards about that question, which will be fun. First question is, uh, at sleuth return he asked us which every anyone who's been on twitter this past weekend he asked us how do you pronounce vescovi which is how i pronounce it and that's just how i pronounce it but anyways he wants to know how do you pronounce vescovi vescovi however y'all let me know let it fly in the words of the guy we're trying to pronounce, he literally had an interview today, and he said his name was either in back home. He said it was Vescovi, like it was like you emphasize the e in the enunciation, but it's for he said it doesn't matter. So I'm gonna go with Vescovi, Santiago Vescovi. I don't know how she would pronounce it. That dude on the fucking internet, Fran Callahan or whatever the hell his name is, he needs to get off of the. He needs to never touch a microphone again in radio sports history. I'll tell you right now, if one, if my name is Fran, I'm immediately going to be on the defensive side if I'm a man. I'll tell you that right now. I'm immediately going to find someone to target if I'm on air. Unfortunately, he decided to come at Vol Twitter and he got his shit rocked. Um, from what I heard live on the on the broadcast, all he could do was check his Twitter account about everyone roasting him and then begging people not to roast him. Um, that's pretty embarrassing. He should just focus on his job. I pronounce it Vescovi. Santiago was on his little thing. I guess it was today or, well, I, I saw it today. I don't know when he said it, but he was like, I don't really care. Um, he said, naturally it's, you don't emphasize the O, you emphasize the E. At this point, I just, I don't think they really care. I think they're just happy that we aren't being like negative with our attention, right? We're giving them positive attention, um, which is a good change for Vol fans. So I say Viscovi, but like I said, I mean, fuck Fran. I'm done with Fran. Well, my Uncle Fran that's listening is probably going to tell you to screw off low. Um, I think it's a cultural thing, honestly. It's kind of like in, what, Mexico, it's Jesus, but in America, it's Jesus or vice versa, however they say it. I mean, again, like y'all have said, it's whatever. I don't care. As long as he can hit the three ball, he can call himself Mickey Mouse for all I care. So call him what you want as long as he don't care. Uh, I've always said Viscovi. Um, I'm kind of like Lowe said. I'm, I'm not sure if I would have on national TV announced that I wasn't paying attention to the game. I was checking my Twitter. Um, but, yeah, it, it's Viscovi. 
Guys, guys, uh, it's it's not Leland anymore. It's Leland. Okay, I I demand to be pronounced Leland. Okay, it sounds more exotic. Okay, but uh, this this whole thing is like the like the Garantano. Like, okay, Garantano is going to be on the campus for fourteen years, and on the fifteenth year, he's going to uh, change the name of his the pronunciation of his name. Like that's so. I don't even know where this friend guy came from. Never heard of heard of him. Uh, I never even heard of anything with Vascovi's name as far as how to pronounce it or anything. And by the way, have y'all noticed that uh, I'm so proud of this as a Tennessean? Did y'all hear Vascovi today? He sounded like one of us. Like, how badass was that? Like, I'm so proud. Like, he, I can't wait till he, like, flips birds at Dollywood or something and, and pigs out on uh, funnel cakes. Like, I'm so happy to to have him on our team. But, like, the Garantano thing, like, I'm just going to say what I'm going to say. Like, even if Vescovi changed it now and it was Vescovi or whatever, I'm still going to say what I want to say. I don't give a shit. But um, it's so, the whole thing's stupid. And, and he and that Fran took an L today when he pronounced it himself. But next question. Very good answers. Um, next question at Mercy underscore Waylon. He asked, "Is it good or bad for Tennessee that Dan Mullen got fired?" I'm going to answer it like this: We don't know the answer to this question until we see who Florida hires. If Florida somehow pulls off the miraculous and goes and gets Lane Kiffin or something like that, it's obviously a bad move that they hired him. As of right now, it's bad because we had a guaranteed win, right? But if Lane Kiffin goes, not that that's happening. I think Lane Kiffin stays at Ole Miss. It just makes more sense that way. But if Lane Kiffin goes to Florida, we're we're royally fucked, possibly. But at the same time, I don't think that um, Dave Arnada is even going to touch Florida right now. So I think it's a not a terrible thing. So, touching on that, Paul, yes, we don't know until it happens. I do not see any reason why Lane Kiffin stays at Ole Miss. His star quarterback, Corral, is leaving. Um, that would probably be the only reason I would see him staying there. There are three pretty big job openings that I would see him looking at, and that's USC, LSU, Florida. Um I don't know if he'll go, but I'm just saying if he did go to Florida, I would be super pissed. I would not enjoy that. However, I don't think – like, at this point, I'm more trustworthy in Heupel and his staff than I would be in, like, Kiffin running to Florida and beating us year one. For some reason, I just have this good feeling people can say I'm an idiot or whatever they want to say, but – I feel like next year, Florida at home, I feel like that's a win in our column, um, regardless of who goes there, even if it's given. But in terms of like overall, Mullen getting fired, I just, the only reason I would see it being really bad is if Kiffin just went and bolted straight there. I, I don't think that would be great for us. But anyone else, I just, I don't, I'm not like, so terrified or just cowering at any other hire that would just make me think like, Oh my God, this is going to be awful for us. That's just me. I don't know. Paul, man, you said a guaranteed win. Like we never beat Dan Mullen. <laughs> I don't get that. The last four years, 47, 21, 
2019, 34 to 3. 2020, 31 to 19. The closest game when me, I did it, and a lot of people bet on Florida to cover the spread and lost hundreds of dollars. And then this year, 38 to 14. Honestly, I don't think it matters who Florida hires. We could have Nick Saban and, and the Lord at quarterback. And until we beat them consistently, then I don't really think it matters. I, honestly, I think I thought Dan Mullen was a good coach. You take away this year, look what he did last year. I mean, hell, he he almost had Alabama beat last year and had made it a game this year. But I don't know. Florida's our daddy, and until we have somebody that can beat them, I'll believe it. And again, you know, the previous three years we had a guy that couldn't identify vegetables as our coach. So you know, I, I get that, but. I don't know. I, we'll see with their next hire. I don't think that hiring um, numbnuts from Louisiana is an upgrade, honestly. Because, again, I maintain Mullen was a good coach, and I would have loved to have him back in 2018. Um, I've, I've got down that it's a good thing. Um, I've really always felt the problem with, with why Tennessee loses to Florida so much is where it's at on the scheduling. But I still – think it's good for us. Um, I think it, it kind of shakes them up. What Everything they've had going down there is already obviously falling apart. You've got, you know, uh, they're losing commitments. You've got kids that are, are currently there, currently starting, taking the, the Florida and the Gators out of their bios and whatever. But I've always felt like since Kiffin left, um, that kind of put us out of like the natural order of things. If you go back and look, Florida – has hired almost as many coaches in the same span that we have, um, minus Kiffin Bolting. Um, but it just seemed like after Kiffin left, they were always hiring a coach one year before we were. They always had that one extra year. And um, so for for once, we might actually have the uh, upper hand on who hired a coach first. Um because they're really in a bad spot. Uh, like Lowe said, USC, LSU, I mean, there's jobs I would put way ahead of Florida right now open. And, uh, you know, hopefully it puts us ahead of them for a couple of years. We'll see. But I think it's good. So I, I love and hate this question at the same time. I love it because I can't answer it. But I and I and I hate it because I can't answer it. So. Okay, so there's two ways you can look at this. One, you can look in the past and see what he's done to, to us. He's beat us by 23 and a half points, I think, per win. He's I don't think he scored less than – I think he scored over 40 in three out of the four – was he here three or four years? Five, four or five years. I can't remember. But he scored 40 every game but one, I think. And it was the other one was like 35 or something. That's not right. Okay, whatever. Um, uh, he scored a lot against us. Um, so, the, so in the future, you can look at this as a way of saying that he's lost the team and they gave him a next year, and I'm going to give you two examples. Butch Jones, 2017, and Derek Dooley, 2012, okay? We let them – both coaches – we should have fired them the year before they, they were fired, okay? We look around the, the country – Teams are firing coaches when they need to be fired, but when it comes to us, we fire coaches too late, okay? So they, if they thought he lost the team, then they needed to fire him because what's the point of coming back from it? Now, I, I got roasted a little bit on this because I 
the thing about Twitter is when you when you post a when you post an opinion, and then one person comes after you and you try to explain that opinion, and then like an avalanche of people come after you, you're constantly explaining that opinion, and then it makes you look like you cut for Mullen. I don't cut for Mullen. I'm just taking up for my opinion, and I believe in my opinion. Okay, I thought he was a good hire for them. He did well. One, he was one possession away from beating Alabama last year. Now this year, now coaching ability and losing the team is two different things, two separate categories. They, he got fired for losing the team. Period. He didn't get fired for on field. The on field performance was the cherry on top. That's why he lost the team. If they're winning, it cures all. Okay. And um, so going forward, he has our number. But I believe we would have beat them next year because they don't have a QB and it's at home, okay? Now I wouldn't pick them, but I'm just saying. Um, I, I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing this whole bullshit about how Texas and Florida is the two best jobs in the in the country. I'm so I'm I'm just sick of it. I'm sick. It's not. If it was so great, if it was so great, then these coaches. Damn it. And Leland has magically disappeared, but he will probably be back um, very soon. I'm back. Sorry. Somebody tried to call me. All right. Um, Leland, you were kind of leading us into our debate question. Do you want me to just dive on into uh, it? Yeah. Let me just kind of, let me just finish this one thought. Yeah. Go ahead. So I, I'm sick and tired of hearing about, um, uh, these two f- jobs being good because if they were so good, they could hire anybody. There's one. Okay. Let me rephrase. There's two automatic hires. That's going to win you games. Nick Saban and urban Meyer. Okay. It's proven. I don't care how much you think sleazy urban Meyer is. So no matter who you hire, you're going to have question marks and they're going to get fired near five because these, these schools have so such high expectations. I tell you what, the first coach after Saban, Saban, he goes ten and two. He's going to get fired because their expectations are so high. But I'm so sick of hearing, sick and tired of hearing these about these. They're so good. Oh. Nowadays, you can recruit, recruit from anywhere. Okay, you can. It's, that's a, that's an excuse. Okay, you can recruit anywhere. Or you can sell playing time. You sell chargers, whatever you want to do. But going forward, I'm scared of one coach going forward. And we'll get that get that to that in a second, but um, and it's not Kiffin, by the way, but um, it, 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 we're fine. We'll be fine, I think. But it, let's see who the next coach is for Florida. All right. Um, just like Leland said, we're gonna jump to a different question here in a moment. However, Mercy underscore Waylon, his question about. Like, is it good or bad that Mullen got fired for Tennessee? That kind of sparked an internal debate between our podcast. So we've decided to just launch this debate discussion. Dan Mullen was offered the opportunity to coach the last game, and he refused. And we are very split on the podcast in terms of if it was good or bad, um, why, uh, why would he do that? What's the look? Whatever. So, Paul, go ahead and throw this off. Paul, before you, Paul, before you start, just say that one more time because I think Low cut out. But say the question one more time, and then you can go ahead with yours. So, it was sparked up that 
from that previous question, was Mullen leaving and not coaching the last game, you know, that Florida offered, they said, you can coach this last game. It would give them bowl eligibility. He said, no, screw it. Um, sparked a big debate between the podcast, all of us in terms of, was it good? Was it bad? Did he make the right move? Why did he do that? Um, so Paul is going to kick us off and we're going to go from there on this random side debate. I think it's terrible that he didn't coach the last game for two reasons. One, if you're if he's actively looking to get back into coaching, like he's actively seeking a head football job at USC or maybe at LSU, who knows? Actively seeking a football job. It looks terrible if it's publicly noted that the university that you work for and you sign the contract to work out those years that you now left out on that commitment because you got fired or but everybody's like would you get fired from a job if if this and this happened? I'm still, if I'm still getting paid $6 million to do said job and that's my buyout, I'm going to go ahead and coach the last game because it's not like this game has no meaning. If they win this game, they're bowl eligible, so they have another game. So now you're looking at it from a standpoint that Dan Mullen basically said, okay, you guys want to give up on me, I'm going to give up on you because fuck you, Florida. I don't give a shit about anything that you have. So as an AD, how am I going to look at Dan Mullen and be like, huh, I should probably hire this guy when he was just a cuck about finishing the end of the year? You have one more game, and if you happen to lose that game, your season's over, so you have zero games. But if you win that game, you can go to a bowl game, and if you win a bowl game after you just got fired, every opening head coaching available job is yours. It's simple as that. If you win a bowl game and anybody wants you, they can have you because you have that bowl game win off your resume. And Florida looks kind of cucky if they fire you and then you go out there and win a bowl game. And that's all I'm going to say about it. All right. So I'm pretty, we're definitely polar opposites on this. I have very um, big views on this. So first of all, Dan Mullen, I don't think he's a bad coach. I think he's a little bit strange. I think his wife is really fucking weird. But that's beside the point. Um, 2020 won the SEC East in an all-SEC schedule, battled Alabama and almost won in the SEC championship, turns around to this season, gets fired, and get he's making millions, right? So they're, they're sitting here and they're like, hey, we're firing you and you're going to get millions. But if you want to coach this last game after we fired you, you're more than welcome to. I'd be like, suck it. Who the hell wants to go back after you've been fired when you take your millions and you run? Who's going to go back to that? I'm sorry. I'm completely divided on this. Um, the goal, I mean, I'm just sitting here. I'm just like, one, he probably thinks he shouldn't have been fired, more than likely is the one that's probably the main reason why he did not coach the last game is because he was like one season ago, I was in the freaking SEC championship. Why the hell am I fired? So that's just one thing. But for two, I'm sitting here personally, I'm taking that money. I'm running. I am running out the damn door. I don't, I'm sorry. People will be like, that's ridiculous. But for me, he'll get the job. He's not a bad coach. He's he's actually a pretty solid coach. I don't I don't like that he was at Florida, but he's honestly a pretty solid coach. 
and a billion other coaches have done it. So he's just another one in the pool. I hate that Paul got up because I wanted to pick apart everything he said, but I guess I'll go ahead and say it. I mean, they fired him because they didn't want him. First of all, you know, it looks bad. Not, uh, not coaching the last game, losing the games you lost and losing your team looks worse. So why the hell do you want to keep coaching them? Um, you know, wearing a Darth Vader suit, press conference, that looks bad. Your wife making out with the players and spreading the flu, that looks bad. Uh, his interviews looks bad. I, I don't think one game matters. And as far as he, anybody would want him, not really. I mean, Florida didn't want him. You know what's going to happen. He's probably going to go to Alabama, be the OC, and do the rehab. Um I don't think it matters. If my job called me tonight and said, we're going to pay you the next two weeks. Do you want to come in or do you want to sit at home? Well, you don't want me. You're firing me. So I'm going to sit at home. Why Why worry about the stress? I just, I don't even see why this is an argument anyway. I mean, we've had two coaches that we fired and they didn't coach their last few games. So. All right. None of you guys touched on the fact that two games ago, um, Dan Mullen and this Florida uh, athletic department fired defensive coordinator Todd Grantham and O-line coach John Hevesy. By not coaching this last game, Dan Mullen is saying, yep, it's me. I'm the reason why. Because his entire defense on why they've lost these last four games was the defensive uh, coordinator. And, you know, I don't, I don't think an O-line coach makes that much of a difference actually during the season. But um, everybody in Florida wanted Todd Grantham fired for, for the last two years, not just this season. For multiple years, Florida fans have wanted Todd Grantham fired. So it finally happened. Dan Mullen goes out there. The first game without Todd Grantham was the 70-point uh, comeback win against the FCS school. And then um, – this last game, the one that, you know, straw that broke the camel's back was the Missouri game. Um, they gave that game up on a two-point conversion. So, basically, by not, I guess in my mind, by not going out there and proving himself for this last game, um, he's basically saying, yep, that, that's it. It's the I'm the problem. I've, I've fired my defensive coordinator. I fired this other guy y'all wanted out. But and no, I'm not. We're not willing to prove it that um, it's not me that's the problem. Um, I also just I think it's kind of cowardly. Um, Florida is a, is a school where Dan Mullen emerged. Um, Dan Mullen won a national championship at Florida as the OC. After that season is when he got the job at Mississippi State. We all know what happened there. Dak Prescott. That's when he moves to Florida. So, I mean, really, if it wasn't for Florida, he wouldn't be at Florida to begin with. And I, I just feel like that should hold more weight um, for him. Um, yeah, I just – I all the guys on the roster he brought in, it, they're all his guys. He's been there four years at least. Um, just can't, can't imagine wanting to break all those promises. And like Paul was saying, um, you know, if 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 he does go out there and win the last game, I don't I don't think he would have coached the bowl game. Um, but to at least tell all these guys that you've brought to this school, 
hey, we're going to go out there and get that sixth win. I'm going to send you all to a bowl game, and then I'm out. You guys deserve at least that from me. I think, you know, because they said um, they said they offered it to him, and he took like six hours to come to a decision. He took some time to really think about it, came back, said, you know, I don't want to be that big of a distraction. But um, I feel like by not being there, if Florida doesn't at least get bowl eligible this weekend, that's even – a bigger distraction, I feel, you know, could Dan Mullen have sent these kids at least to a bowl? Um, that's really all I got. Um, I just, you know, it, anybody that could have been an interim, really, he he's fired in the last three weeks. And then he's just like, fuck it. That's where I'm at with it. All right, got a lot to hit on. I love going last because I can get the final word. Oh, I just got a Charlie horse. Damn it. All right. So. Tennessee. Ah, oh, God. Um, Drink a beer. I need water. Uh, DR, come stretch my groin out for me. Um, so, a couple I things. I thought that's where Paul kept going. <laughs> God, that hurt. All right, a couple things. This got done. A couple things. Okay, I'm going to touch on a bunch of y'all stuff. Okay, Paul. I can one hundred percent, and I would lay down a thousand million dollars right here to bet to back against my word. No AD in the country gives a shit if he coaches this next game in the next interview. I one hundred thousand million dollar percent, whatever, guarantee that they don't care. You know why? Because it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. So, um, I've I've personally never got fired from a job. But I guarantee that if I put in my two weeks notice and like I leave on the eighth day that my next interview, the the next job's going, they're not going to be like, oh, you didn't finish out your two weeks notice. We can't hire you. I guarantee they're not going to do that. OK, so um, I guess low and DR is on my side on this. So, OK, bandit cowardly. OK, so I don't know if you know this or not, but coaches, a college football coach is one of the most sleazy dishonest, um, under the table, behind the back, um, just dishonest. I think I said dishonest. They're, they're terrible people, okay? They go to the houses of these 17-year-old kids and that with, their, with the recruits' parents, and they sit down, and they're going to say, oh, we're going to take care of your kids. We're going to get you to do this. We're going to give you this much playing time. We won't leave. We're here for the long haul. What did Lane Kiffin do? He left in the middle of the night. Okay, coaches come and go, players leave and go. That's why they started this transfer portal. Now, growing up in the early 2000s when I was watching football, what what was the punishment for leaving? It was a one year. You had to sit out for one year, right? That was kind of like the punishment. So everybody was like, well, if a coach can leave, a player should leave. Well, I don't necessarily agree with that because it's about to be a free – I've said this in the last couple weeks. It's about to be free agent frenzy. And I don't like that because, A, I don't believe a kid should pout because he didn't win the job and automatically just be able to leave. And two, you're, you might eventually be in the part where, you know, all these kids leave one school, one school, maybe not have any players. Uh, next school might be stacked, so on, whatever. So it's free agent. It's like, I don't like that. Free agent is for pro teams, I think. So I don't like the fact that, you know, cowardly, they, they do stuff all the time. I don't think one more good side of them is going to affect anything. Like, I just don't believe that. Um, I don't believe that – how awkward would that be? Like, you just got your – 
And you, you kept saying that, like, it, it's his fault. Yeah, it's his fault. He got fired. Like, you said you're admitting that it's his fault. If it wasn't his fault, he wouldn't be getting fired. And he's already lost the team. So why would if he's already lost the team, why would you put him back out there? Like, I, I just don't get that mindset. Like, get away from the program. You're not employed. Um, now, sometimes in interim, like Jim Chaney did this against Kentucky. He's like – He's like the only coach. He's like he has our best winning percentage as a coach in Tennessee history. It's one and zero, one hundred percent. We sometimes they play better with an interim. There's like some kind of energy. I've seen it in the NFL before, where where a guy will be like Marty Schottenheimer one time. No, I can't remember who it was. They they started out like zero and eight, and they won like their next eight because they changed coaches or something. Um, but sometimes they play better with an interim. Um, I know a lot of people's not going to like this take, but what if the players are need to be held responsible? I mean, if 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 Emory Jones is a four and five star and he's playing like JG, I mean, is he the reason why they're in the situation they are? I mean, he hasn't had a good season. He was supposed to be the next coming. I mean, I know people don't want to hear that. It's always the coaches, but the coaches, and I hate saying this because it's typical UT fandom. Well, the coaches don't throw the football. No, they don't. You're right. They don't. But, you know, the players didn't play that great either. But, um, yeah, we're, we're totally back. In, we're totally split on this. But we can go on to the next question. I was going to dive in real quick and just say one of our viewers said, well, maybe there should be a deadline to avoid players leaving in the middle of the season. Interesting. I, I don't know how that works. I don't. I don't. Probably doesn't make it all right now, but eventually at some point maybe they can regulate it. I don't know. We got some more questions to burn through. Um, Chris Barrier underscore he asked us if we go for a high profile transfer quarterback to back to be the backup just in case Hooker leaves. Paul. I don't think as a roster right now we're in any business of turning people away that want to that are good like me and Layla, me and Leland had this debate about Vincent Sneed and it's an understandable debate you know three star for four star I get that I understand that but if you're talking about like Spencer Rattler coming here like that caliber of a quarterback like a really good quarterback that wants to come play here I don't think we're in any business of turning him away especially if Hooker leaves at the quarterback position we are royally fucked if Hooker leaves like Joe Milton and Taven Jackson are the only two that we have for sure on the roster. And really, Taven Jackson's not for sure until he signs that paper of, an, of that letter of intent. And we've seen recruits flip the day of signing day where they were 100% committed to us and they flipped. So I think if a five, if a former five-star quarterback wants to come here, we'd be stupid as hell to uh, turn him away. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Paul. Like, um, if Taven Jackson, like, it doesn't even matter to me at this point, like how phenomenal or not he is. Even if he already signed the paper, we still need more depth because injuries are just can be galore. Obviously you don't want them, but they can be, you know, abysmal and can happen early and often in the SEC. So I would not turn away anyone. I think we need to hit the transfer portal like hard and heavy in terms of whoever we can get just in case. Um, 
I mean, we've lost so many quarterbacks to the transfer portal already, but you don't want this is this has happened to me many a times in terms of like work and stuff and just in general, you don't want to just chase after the wrong fit, right? I mean, you want you're like, oh well, we need all these people, but then sometimes you'll chase after the wrong fit and it just makes it worse. So I'm kind of I mean, yes, I feel like we need the bodies to fill that position, but then at the same time, I worry about like getting the wrong bodies at the same time, maybe personality wise. And, I, you know, it seems like this team is really close and jiving. I do not want to disrupt that. Um, that's just kind of a different take in terms of like mentally. I was just like, I don't know, but we have, we at least have to get one more, if not two more people who can play the quarterback position and maybe someone on our team who doesn't even currently play the quarterback position. I don't know, just someone to fill in. I'm just throwing out random thoughts, but that's usually what I do. I don't I don't really know what they mean by high profile. I mean, how I many high profile is going to go into the transfer portal, honestly? And you look, if Hooker comes back, Milton's probably gone. And, you know, hopefully you keep Taven, Taven Jackson, yeah. But how many more are you going to get after that? Because these quarterbacks are going to want to go somewhere and play. You know, even if they go to a smaller school and start for a year to prove themselves, that then they can transfer up. They'd probably rather do that than go sit behind Hooker and Jackson at Tennessee. So I don't know. I mean, this transfer portal is really going to make it hard to build quarterback depth because quarterbacks are a little bit diva, and you're not going to see a lot of them stay, stick around for long, I don't think. Uh, sorry, I almost cut in on you there, Dior. Um, but when I think of, like high profile, like if Antonio Richardson was to hit the transfer portal from Florida here in the next six months, I think you definitely bring that guy in. Um, I know there was some debate early, maybe week three, week four of this season on Spencer Rattler. Um, I think that's a guy you look at um, if he can get his head right. But I think you bring in a transfer quarterback. Um, even if Hooker does come back, I've, I've got no problem with us carrying four uh, scholarship quarterbacks because, um, you know, like we all just said, you never know. And if Hooker does come back and gets hurt, well, I mean, what, you want Milton throwing balls in the third row or you want Jackson going out there his freshman year and maybe risk losing him. So, I, yeah, well, I, I think Hooker – comes back or not, you definitely look at the transfer portal, maybe try to get just a big body, kind of like uh, – God, was that Jeremy Pruitt that brought in Keller Christ? Has that only been that long ago? I, uh, that, I mean, that guy didn't play much. But, he brought in uh, Hooker too. Yeah, he did. He Yeah, Hooker was I've, – I've thought of that before. Uh, so far, the brightest spot in Josh Heupel's offense is a, is a Jeremy Pruitt transfer. Um. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see us go at, if nothing else, a big body quarterback. So I did a little bit of research on this. We've touched on this in the past with my Spencer Rattler um, rant. I guess I guess he means high profile is a name <coughs> like a Rattler. Um, this all is a domino effect on whether Hooker leaves. <coughs> so if Hooker leaves, you want to get maybe a Rattler or something, you know. Um, so – 247 Sports has this pretty cool little um, generator here. You can actually 
it'll give you a list of um, all the transfer portal players. That's hard to say. Um, you can do it by year. You can do it by uncommitted or committed. You can do it by eligible, ineligible. You can do it by position. So I did uncommitted, eligible next year, and at QB, of course. So there's two guys on the list that's four stars. The rest of them are three stars. Now, obviously, this doesn't really make a difference. It does to a certain extent. But, I mean, if you believe in Josh Heupel and what he can do with quarterbacks, you you know, he can take maybe one of these guys and, and, um, and turn them into something. Now, with the Jackson kid coming in, the – the QB depth isn't as worrisome as we thought if Hooker comes back. And that's the one, th- what's one of the common topics that we've been talking about on here. It, it doesn't look that bad. Okay. So now, if he leaves or he decommits or Milton says, F this, I'm going to go to Tulane and start, then you're struggling to find depth. It's basically just one body away from struggling with depth. So, okay. So we have this Jawan Pass, who's a four star. He's, he's, uh, he's eligible to play. Right out of the gate. He came from Louisville. Okay, if you want to do some research on him. Now, this Grant Tisdale is an interesting fella. Um, so he's a four-star from Ole Miss. So I don't know. You would think that um, that with Corral leaving, um, that he would be like, man, there's no QB here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have the spot locked and loaded. So you know how Kiffin Kiffin has turned down when he was here. He turned down three or four guys, including guys like Bryce Petty, Taj Boyd. There was a rumor of Cam Newton one time, and we ended up with Matt Sims, right? So maybe Kiffin isn't as QB eyed as he as he thinks he is. Now check this out: in 2017, we offered this kid. So Butch offered this Grant Tisdale, um, but I thought that was pretty interesting. Now the rest of the guys. Um, are all three stars, and they um, are basically like small schools, I think, with the exception of like Cal. Um, but that's my little rundown on that. Uh, those, yeah. those. Go ahead. Do you have a guy on there um, that's at Florida State? His last name starts with a P. He's uh, – I don't see that. Okay. Um, I see. Cal, I see two from Cal. Damn, what's going on there? Arizona, Boston College. Um, oh, I can do school. He's not a he's not a high profile guy, but there is a, uh, a no players coach. found. Do what? No players found. There, there's a no Mackenzie Milton and James Blackman. So why the hell did Blackman go play for Butch Jones? He came from Florida State. So. Um, that McKenzie Milton was UCF. See, I think the timing of Milton, we could have had Milton this year, but I think he committed. He went to Florida State before Hopple was hired, I think, is what the timeline was. So we missed out on Milton. He, that's the guy with the real catastrophic knee injury. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. But um, the, the ideal perfect world for us would be a Hooker to come back, this freshman come in um, – he learns, sit on the bench, and then we continue every – I think once a year you need to get a quarterback. It's kind of like the NFL draft. I think every every team in the NFL's draft should draft a QB every year in the fifth, sixth, seventh round. And then if he's good, if you have a franchise QB, you trade the guy that's in the fifth round, you get value out of him. Um, 
in this situation with us, let him sit. If he can, uh, what if he come out his sophomore year in 2023 and he's ready to go? We have a Q, we have a starting QB for th- possible for three years. That's the ideal situation we want. But uh, we can move on to the next question. Yeah, and ter- I mean NFL and college are completely different, but. In terms of this position and this team, we've got to fill we've got to fill the spot somehow. So, I just think, kind of like everyone else was saying, we just gotta look wherever we can in terms of how to fill the spot. Looks like next question at Dan J underscore eighty three. He asked us uh, who could Florida hire to make Tennessee fans go. And I quote: "So this is not like an f bomb on my part." Quote, oh, fuck, that's a pretty good hire. Um, I have to go with Lane Kiffin. But like I said, I don't see him leaving Ole Miss unless he doesn't have any confidence in whoever the hell he has playing to back up Matt Corral, like after Corral leaves. But, I mean, Lane Kiffin would scare the shit out of me. Urban Meyer coming back into college game would scare the shit out of me, but I don't see that happening. His heart nor his morals can't take it. Um, really, Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's the only name that Florida Florida hired. I'd be like, oh shit, like we're in trouble. This Florida Tennessee rivalry just got that much exponentially worse for everybody. I'm there with you, Paul. I really just don't see any like quote unquote sexy hires besides. Kiffin, and I don't even think he's like a sexy hire. I just think people would be pissed to see him go from Ole Miss to Florida as a Tennessee fan. Um, I know Leland had touched on someone he wanted to talk about. I've, I haven't done much research into this question. I don't think Hugh Freeze would go there, and I, you know, I just really don't see anyone else that I think would be going there. So y'all can take it. Yeah, Freeze actually just got an extension making $4 million at Liberty, which is insanity to me, which evidently they're very, very rich school. I mean, the, I hate it. This, this is what sucks. Like, sometimes I want to go first, sometimes I want to go last. This is where it sucks because it's going to be the same answer. Lane Kiffin and, just to make it different, Nick Saban or Josh Hopple, just because I don't want to say the chaos with Hopple leaving, and we know what Nick Saban will do, and he's obviously not going there. With this question, I really go back to my answer from the question from earlier. Um, uh, the question, something about Florida. Oh, was it was it good that Dan Mullen got fired? Um, I answered that question. I, I said it, it felt like we finally got a leg up on the uh, like the higher cycle. Uh, finally, felt like we were one year ahead of Florida. Um, so I answered this question with uh, Matt Campbell with a question mark because kind of, I mean, I know a lot of you guys are saying Lane Kiffin. That really wouldn't scare me that much. Um, we just went head-to-head with Lane Kiffin and, and had it in the final seconds. Um, so that, I mean, Lane Kiffin really wouldn't scare me that much. I feel like the only reason we lost to Lane Kiffin this year is because he had one extra year at the school he was at. Um so he had one extra year at Ole Miss than Josh Heupel had here. Um, so Lane Kiffin probably wouldn't scare me that much. He'd be doing a, a total reset at a different school, and we'd have one year up on him. Uh, Matt Campbell's a guy that I really wanted for us um, this last coaching search. So 
I put him down with a question mark. Um, but like I said earlier, I really put the USC job and LSU job ahead of this Florida job. I think I think Florida's going to end up with their third or fourth uh, choice here. I, I, yeah, it sounds dumb. I, none of them scare me. Oh, buddy, I'm about to burn y'all soul. This is crazy. Okay. So, before I tell you my guy's name, I'm just going to say this about Kiffin. Okay. I'm beginning to think that Kiffin is the John Gruden of coaching. Okay? He's overrated. Fan bases suck his dick. He hasn't done shit. Okay? So, let me break this down for you. So, I got his stats pulled up. So, he's been a head coach for – uh, 10 years, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So he's been a head coach for, for 10 years. Okay. He has gotten to double digit wins in four. And I'm counting this year. Cause I think they'll beat Mississippi state and then they'll beat, they'll probably be, win their ball game. So I'm counting this year, four out of 10 years, he's gotten to double digit wins. Okay. Now just to, in the previous second segment I went on the rant about the Florida and Texas being I'm tired of hearing about them being the best job in the country is is USC not supposedly in that same conversation the top 5 let me check y'all's win totals for him 8 now he did win 10 7 and they fired him at 3 and 2 now before y'all say anything yes he had recruiting restrictions he probably had so many scholarships cuz they got in trouble with Pete Carroll um, the year after Pete Carroll, which you would think in your head that Pete Carroll had pretty stacked teams, he went eight and five. So I'm sitting here looking at all his rankings as far as his AP poll, uh, like uh, the AP poll after the season. Again, I'm counting this year because they will be ranked in the top 25 after the season. So he's been ranked at the end of the season. Three out of ten times he was he finished sit ranked sixth in the in 2011. He finished uh, actually you know what I'm not even going to give him credit for that year. The year that he got fired, and I think Ed Orgeron took over. They finished 19th in the in the AP poll, so I'm not even going to give him that credit. So really, twice, twice in ten years he's finished in the top ten or top 25. Twice in ten years, that's awful. I'm not scared if he goes to Florida. Now my dude, everybody keeps mentioning him. Hugh Freeze, I'd be tremendous if he went. I'd be, I'd be, it'd be awful if he went to Florida. I can't think of anybody like. Would y'all be scared if like Gary Patterson went to Florida? Would you be scared if, um, you know, uh, I don't think Urban Meyer would jump ship after one year, and I don't think Florida would take him back. What if you know? Would Pete Carroll at seventy go back to college? He's he's sucking at the Seahawks. Um, I'm just throwing out names, but like, there's nobody I can. There's no like up and comers either I can think of. Um, Leland, I want to get your opinion. What do you think about the Tom Herman thing? I know he's kind of tied into LSU right now. With, that's the only name that I can think about that would actually kind of like somewhat scare me, but I don't think it, it would scare me. It goes back to my Texas and uh, Florida argument. He was just at Texas. He didn't do shit. Um, so maybe, maybe. Now, I don't have his record. I could look up his record real quick what he did there. But, you know, you, what has he? I think it's also important to talk about, do you think Bill O'Brien wants to leave Alabama as the offensive coordinator? Because, you know, it's not like Saban can't replace him with Dan Mullins. So, obviously, O'Brien, if he's looking to get back into coaching. He's not scared. 
Look look at what he did to the Texans. I know Texas, and I know with the Texans, he was more of like the GM role, and they let him do a lot of stupid shit like trade DeAndre Hopkins. He's a decent coach. He didn't do shit at Penn State. Um, but that was right after the Sandusky thing. And uh, But here's Tom Herman at Texas, Three, uh, seven and six, now ten and four, eight and five, seven and three. He got fired at seven and three, so somebody else must have took over. But I'm not scared of anybody but Hugh Freeze. That's it. I would actually love it if they hired Tom Herman. That screams off-field issues to me. I want a guy with, like, just a boring offense, like like somebody who still runs, like, the I-form. Jeremy fucking Pruitt. <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to happen, but, like, I, I'm not – you know what? It's time for Tennessee. I hate the, I hate Florida. It's time. It's time for Florida, to Tennessee to take over this rivalry and win about five or six in a row. Let let Hopel be the daddy of, of the Florida coach instead of the other way around. I, I, I'm so sick of this shit. And 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 mark my words, it may not be in the next year, or it may not be in the next three years. But Florida might regret firing Mullen. I mean, we'll see. I um, I definitely think I was just checking to make sure that I had unmuted myself. Um, yeah, that was a long rant overall. I don't know. Whoever, honestly, here's my thing uh, and, and my concluding argument. I really don't give a damn who Florida hires. What I care about is what Tennessee is doing, period. That's my end of my argument. Next question, we got two more. Um, this one is at JRC for UT. He asked us, if Richardson, Florida's quarterback, back to Florida, enters the transfer portal after Mullen was fired. Would you want him back at UT? If it was me, 100%. I just don't see it happening. If Hooker is still here, guess he'll, he will go somewhere and he will get to start immediately, just in my opinion. Shoot y'all's thoughts. Then we got one more. I think it comes down to when Hooker decides he is leaving or not. I don't think any quarterback that has serious contention of starting this season looks at Tennessee and goes, well, maybe I might go there because I could start year one. Fans love him. Heifel loves him. We all want Hooker back next year. We can all agree on that, I think. But for the most part, Anthony Richardson would be a great get. I mean, Leland and I were just talking about it. DR was still talking. I think everybody was talking about it. We, we need quarterback depth, regardless of if it's a freshman, if it's a sophomore, if it's a junior. Like, it doesn't matter. We need depth at that position. And – Leland said it best, you want to try and get a quarterback every class, whether it's a three-star or four-star or five-star. Like, you want to have that quarterback there because every year is another year that a hooker could go out tomorrow against Vanderbilt or Saturday against Vanderbilt and break his leg. We don't know. The injury bug is always there. So you have to look at it from a standpoint as how prepared are you if your guy goes down. And I think if Taven Jackson does have a year where he can just watch hooker play football and learn the offense – his sophomore season is going to be productive. But what happens if we lose Hooker at the beginning of the year? What happens if he goes to the NFL draft? How screwed are you if Hooker leaves? And I think that's what Heifel has to be thinking about right now. One hundred percent. Like Paul just said, I'm not going to emphasize a lot on it. What my emphasis will be on is depth, not name. I don't think Richardson would be a sexy transfer. 
However, if we need the depth, we need the depth. So if we got to go get it, we got to go get it. I t yeah, I take them in a heartbeat. But again, it just it all depends on what Hooker's going to do. And obviously, the coaches are going to know before we are. And I'm sure they got contingency plans for if he stays or if he leaves. Uh, yeah. Um, if Anthony Richardson wants to come here, Anthony Richardson is fucking coming here. I don't. I don't think there's any way you turn that guy around or away. I don't have much on this. I'm. I don't. I haven't seen him do anything really. I mean, he had that. Didn't he have a long run against somebody? Um, I, I'll never. I'm trying to my best to look up his two four seven page. I can't find it. But had, um, was he, he a four star? He had uh, he had a game where he was like three for three for 152 yards passing, and ran for 150 yards rushing. That and then after that, the next week he got hurt. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on him. I mean, I'll take all the. Okay, here he is. So he was a four star, um, dual threat. Looks like two two twenty. I'll take anybody that has that you think has talent. Um, you wonder if there's anything going on between the ears. Um, you know, I don't have I don't have really much on this one. We can go to the next. I think I think his big uh, his big recruiting sale was um, the the same Elite Eleven competition that Harrison Bailey went to. I think he might have won it. If not, he was a finalist. Go ahead, Lo. Yeah. So last question, last fan question at Alan W. Vols fan. Asked us, what is your favorite Thanksgiving dessert? Now we're going back to the holidays, out of Florida mode. Thank fucking God. Paul, tell us your favorite Thanksgiving dessert. So I feel like it would be a disjustice to the rest of my Thanksgiving plate if I didn't go with the favorite thing. I think turkey is extremely overrated. Ham is the go-to meat for Thanksgiving Day. This is desserts. Idiot. Fuck you, Leland. I'll do what I want. It's our podcast, not yours. If it ain't Jack Apple, he ain't eating it. Yeah, if it's not marinated in Jack, I'm not eating it. But, no, banana pudding's my favorite dessert. I guess I'll answer the question since Leland wants to be a cuck about it, and I'll go ahead and pass it on. I don't really have, like, a traditional Thanksgiving dessert, I guess. Um, I like anything chocolate. And if I'm making the dessert, I like something like strawberry shortcake or just something like fruity uh, with whipped cream or something. I don't really give a shit. But I don't – I'm not really a big pie person. I will say that. I don't really care about that. So in terms of dessert, chocolate or whatever, I don't really care. So you're not a cream pie person. Got it. Um, my favorite, I guess, I'm not going to get to have anymore. My grandma that passed away two months ago made it. It was this uh, no-bake uh, pumpkin pie she made with some kind of cream cheese filling. It almost like a cheesecake. And it, growing up, was always my favorite at Thanksgiving. She would make one for the family and then make one for me to carry home. But And kind of the bounce off low, I don't really have a favorite besides that. I mean, I'm... I don't have to have something or not have something. Um, and I'm sure you stole Leland's by saying you're into the fruity stuff. Uh, I know this was a debate on Twitter at some point this week, uh, but I love pumpkin pie or pumpkin roll, just anything pumpkin. Um, I'm totally against cinnamon. I've 
I've never liked cinnamon. I won't even, I won't shoot fireball, won't do jack fire. Don't like anything cinnamon. So pumpkin is like as close to cinnamon as I come. And and that's not why I like it, but but that's like, that's the closest to cinnamon I'll get is pumpkin. I feel like they go together a lot. And uh, usually with pumpkin desserts, you don't get a lot of crunch. I don't feel like dessert should ever be crunchy. Um, yeah, I like I pumpkin stuff. I don't understand how you cannot like cinnamon. Like I would probably eat cinnamon off DR's ass. It's so good. Like put some butter and, and just, just, I make these like little toast things. You put butter and cinnamon. It's like a little French toast. And you put it in the toaster. Like it's good as hell. Um, I, once, I once turned down a stripper named Cinnamon. I bet you did. And then you married her. Ayo! Hey, <laughs> <laughs> oh, screw that. Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, desserts. I, I, yeah, like Bandits was talking about, like we had a whole thing on the timeline yesterday about people with their garbage ass takes of, um, of uh, these food Thanksgiving opinions they had. And people were like, I sh- was shitting on pumpkin pie. Like, what's wrong with pumpkin pie? Put a, put a spoonful of whipped cream on it and eat it. That's good. I get, I get the whole thing. Uh, my family makes like this. It's called um, peanut, butter, peanut butter pie. And it's now if it's too peanut butter e, uh, it's too sweet. I don't like it, but it's just perfect. And it's just a, it looks it's in, it looks just like a pumpkin pie, but it's peanut butter. Uh, they make that, and they make I like the the pumpkin rolls is good. Um, chocolate cake. I mean anything. I mean I'll eat. I'm a sweet tooth nut. No wonder Leland. I don't I don't have diabetes. Leland, I'm sorry, but just to clarify. You mostly eat ass, or that's what your Twitter feed is about. So your dessert takes really do. <laughs> well, he said chocolate cake. Hey, Bandit, this is a question for you and Aunt Leland, too. Can y'all tell the difference between pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie? The white marshmallows in it, right? No, sweet potato pie, not sweet potato casserole, but the pie. Like, oh. you know what I'm talking about? The way it looks uh, is the way it tastes. The way it tastes. I don't. I've know. never had sweet potato pie. Really? When you go to Walmart, the, right, first look up this video, Patty Labelle pie. There's this guy has <laughs> a review, and it is. I'll send it to the group. But I can't really tell the difference in sweet potato pie and pumpkin pie. But I'm glad you are saying it though. Anything pumpkin this time of year, I'm I'm gonna eat it. Except for maybe like uh, they had pumpkin. Uh, Ramen noodles. I want to eat that. Which I don't like ramen I, noodles. I just looked it up. It does look exactly like pumpkin pie. What if I've been eating sweet potato pie the whole time? Well, I've always heard that like what's in the pumpkin, the canned pumpkin, is mostly sweet potatoes. That's why I asked you all that. I didn't know that. Learn something new every day. See, you watch this podcast, you start learning shit. Hey, uh, real quick, I forgot to mention this earlier. Just something I wanted to add in. Um, Alante Taylor got... Um, he accepted his invitation to the Reese's Senior Bowl. I think it's like the third or the fourth year in a row Tennessee sent by somebody down there. Uh, that was the last thing I had on my notes, but I did want to get that in there. Um, so y'all tune in for the scrimmage down in Mobile. All right, we uh, do. You, do you want to? We've been on for an hour and twenty. Do you want to do the a quick, a very quick basketball thing? Just once around the horn. Everyone wants to dive in for like two minutes. That's fine. I I don't care either way. It's just up to y'all. Okay, real quick, and then we'll get to our, just our top three sides of Thanksgiving, and we'll head out. Paul? Uh, 
I thought we looked like shit against Villanova, but Barnes had us ready to play North Carolina. Uh, we turned it around super quick. Preview: uh, Chandler looked like shit against Villanova. Uh, what about Z- uh, Zakai Ziegler uh, pulling up to North Carolina and deciding he wanted all the smoke? I uh, love that from the young gun. Uh, yeah, b- basketballs are headed in a good direction. My favorite statistic of the whole night was that everyone – okay, so compl- screw the Villanova game. That was disgusting to watch. However, they bounced back against North Carolina. Favorite statistic of the North Carolina game, um, nine out of the ten guys that went on the court contributed to the final score and scored two or more points. I thought that was huge. Shows me a big difference in our bench players and our starters. Our bench players can contribute. Um, and 59 of our total 89 points came from our starters. So our starters showed up, showed out, turned it completely around. So huge thing um, from our starters. And Ziegler, yeah, he kicked ass. So solid on that point. I don't really have a strong take on it. I mean, it's early in the year, and we've got our best player as a freshman. It's, it's kind of like Calipari's teams do every year. Just let them kind of figure it out first five or six weeks. And I'll have a strong opinion when conference play starts. Or I, I take that back. I'll have a strong opinion when we play Memphis because I, I cannot stand Memphis. I don't like their fans. I don't like the city. I don't like anything about Memphis. Um but other than that, that and I, I'm tired of seeing Euros out there. I don't like watching him play. I'm sorry. I, I just don't. He cheers. That's great. He's a great guy. But I don't care nothing about being a great guy. You know, Bruce Pearl, some of my favorite players on his team, and they were not great guys. But I love to watch him play basketball. All right, buckle up. I went in on this one. Um, so we watched the uh, Villanova game at uh, Fieldhouse Social. Uh, three of us, uh, Leland, Lowe, and me. Uh, while we were watching, I made a comment to Leland. I said, I said, just put all three fucking point guards out there. Like, we need points. And, um, that's what we ended up doing against US, uh, USC, UNC. Um, so I went through and I, I kind of made a chart of all the players' minutes, uh, against Villanova versus UNC. Um, the, the, the big, of course, the big one is Josiah Jordan-James. Uh, he played 27 minutes against Villanova, did not play against UNC, which isn't that bad of a thing as it ended up. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying I'm happy he didn't play. I'm not happy he got hurt, but it, it let Rick Barnes kind of play around with this lineup a little bit. Um, so four, four um, players I ended up putting a star next to um, – Olivier Cumois, he played 27 minutes against Villanova. That got cut back to 17 minutes. Uh, he played 17 less minutes in the game against UNC. Um, and I, I kind of feel like he's the type of guy that he needs some some time on the bench to watch the flow of the game, and I think that helped him a lot. Um, going into that more, um, uh, Brandon Hunley Hatfield, he played 11 extra minutes against UNC. Um, and I feel like that that frees up Folky more when he's in the game more. Because uh, if, if Folky's just inside garden all game, where he's not going to be productive. Um, I think Folky had two points against uh, Villanova. He ended up getting 
almost double digits against UNC. So that definitely freed him up. And then, of course, Ziegler um, played seven minutes against Villanova, 27 against North Carolina, plus 20 minutes on a, on a one-day turnaround. Um, and I, I think what led to that, he put up seven points in seven minutes against UNC, uh, against Villanova. They said, hey, if you can put up a point a minute, we'll feed you. He goes in against North Carolina, puts up 18 points. Um, I, I think that kid's going to be a, a point a minute player. And then the last guy I had a start next to was Victor Bailey. Victor Bailey came off the bench against Villanova for 23 minutes, and that's disgusting. We cannot have that happen. Um, kid, he, I feel bad for him, honestly. He came here from Oregon. He had to sit a year. He had moments last year where he was hot on the three-point. Um, and he's just hot or cold. Um that's not a guy you want to see on the floor for 23 minutes ever. Um, and that's, that's my big takeaway. Um, play as long as it's working, play all three point guards. So, um, I'm still in this football block mode. It's hard to get out of it right now, but, um, I would just take that Villanova game, squash it, throw it to the side. Um, they're a veteran team early in the season. I don't really like making excuses, but I wouldn't put too much stock. The, the more – the Tennessee you'll see going forward, I think, is the North Carolina game. Um, where'd that guy come from? Like I like I said, I've been in football mode, so I haven't really been paying attention. But that dude that scored, what, 17? I don't even know where he came from. I didn't, I didn't even know if he was on the roster or whatever. That's how checked out I am. Um, going forward, you'll see Tennessee play like that here from here on out. Uh, by the way, there's a good um, a good Black Friday sale on allvols.com to buy tickets. Uh, go support your Vols. I bought a, about a couple games. Uh, no fees, actually. Upper decks are like 25 bucks. Go grab those, but I, I did. But um, like going forward, like I can't wait to play like Texas and Arizona. The whole Barnes thing in Texas is going to be cool. But you'll 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 you rarely see. Barnes teams get blown out, and then you know some idiot on Twitter will be like, "No, he got he got blown out twenty nine times. That's a lot." Now, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, but you rarely see a Barnes team get blown out um, unless they're just like last year in the tournament. We got we played the hottest team in the country, and they couldn't stop shooting threes. But uh, going forward, you'll uh, this uh, this is exciting time. I like this part when football's ending, basketball starting up, but. Um, can't wait until I'm going. I'm going Friday, actually, Tennessee Tech. But um, yeah, that's all I got for them. So um, last thing, we'll get we'll get out of here. Um, let's go three Thanksgiving sides, just the spirit of the the holiday. Three three uh, Thanksgiving sides, and we'll head out. I'm gonna go mac and cheese, uh, mashed potatoes, and green bean casserole. I'm going uh, mac and cheese number one, and probably like homemade cornbread would be number two. I'm like a huge carb whore, and maybe homemade like green beans, like the canned ones, not like the Jolly Green Giant or whatever the hell those are. Um, that'd be my top three. <clears throat> Well, I'm going to go deviled eggs because I absolutely love those things. Fellowship meals growing up, uh, going to church, I would take extra and the old ladies and yell at me. 
Second, sweet potato casserole, but it's got to have the pecans, not the marshmallows. Unless I'm eating s'more, I do not want marshmallow. I don't really care for them. And the last thing is something that's overlooked, I think, is the dressing. I, I like dressing if it's cooked right. Not dry, preferably uh, crock, pot crock pot dressing because it's a little bit more moist. And that's my three. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm right there with you with the stuffing, stuffing, dressing, whatever you want to call it. Put it on my fucking plate. Um, like the, uh, like the mashed potatoes and gravy. Um, I feel like a lot of these are going to be the same. So I'm going to give you one thing I can't fucking stand. Give us a trash. Yeah. Sauce. Cranberry sauce. Cranberry sauce is trash. Get that out of there. What are y'all eating? Is there anything least surprising as, as Paul picking green bean casserole? Like, I was just going to go on a rant how it's the JG. No, it's not JG. It's the Ryan Leaf of quarterbacks. Like, I, I, I disgusting, man. But uh, stuffing, I could pound that stuff on my plate. And, and, like, I love when, like, your 16 ants come and they make their own version of it. As long as it doesn't have, like, cucumber in it, like, I'm good. You know, some people make that bullshit in there. I could, I could, I could eat stuffing, again, off DR's ass. But um, mac and cheese, it has to be shells. I think shells taste better. Is that weird? Like, I think it tastes better than the noodles. And they're much easier. You're wanting to continue to eat off of DR's ass. <laughs> I'm happily uh, engaged to a woman. I'm just telling you how good it is. Um, Thanksgiving right now? But uh, the rolls, you got to have a good roll. It can't be hard and, and like um, – like burnt. Like I hate when you have that one grandma who doesn't know how to bake anything and she it comes out black. Um, cranberry, like he said, cranberry sauce trash. What's the point of it? It looks like just like I don't know what it looks like, mold or something. But uh, okay, that's all we got for tonight. I hope y'all have a good uh, Thanksgiving. Watch football. Go go Cowboys tomorrow. Any any last thoughts on Tennessee? Anything going forward? Anybody. Go balls. I am sick of the Florida talk and Dan Mullen. Who gives a shit what they do? All I care about is that we're going to a bowl. Lowe's yeah. hammered also. I'm Florida. Florida. Go happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, y'all. We're out. Happy Thanksgiving.